Hello, everyone, and thank you for checking out the Tuesday Special Podcast. My name is Patrick. I'm your host. If this is your first episode, I encourage you at some point to go listen to some of our archived episodes. They're available on TuesdaySpecial.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, and wherever you can find your podcast needs. We have some awesome episodes, but this is one I really, really, really was looking forward to recording it, listening to it, and presenting it to my audience, you guys. I hope you enjoy it. There's very few times in life, unless you're super lucky, that you get to work with somebody you admire and look up to. Kevin Kelly is one of those people. Uh, I remember back sitting when I was 14 or 15 years old, watching Kevin Kelly interview The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin and Shane Hurricane Helms and all these people just being in, in, in awe of, of his where he is and his abilities and just his presence on WWE television. And that's not me uh, kissing Kevin's butt. That's just the truth. And uh, fast forward to where I'm 34 and uh, we book Kevin for a deck 16 and he comes in and that turns into a working relationship. And now I, I feel fortunate enough to call him one of my, one of my friends in wrestling business and uh, friends in life. Kevin is an extremely positive influence on me in professional wrestling. He has taught me so much, and he has been a big help in our relationship with New Japan. And uh, striking that, we talk about that. I have no idea where I wanted this conversation to go when I sat down with Kevin. So I just, I didn't prepare any questions. I didn't research. I just wanted to sit down and talk with him. And this is a talk that me and him have never had. Every time me and him ever talk and sit down, we've had some conversations uh, we've had some, he's given me advice and this and that, but we've never just sat down and talked about his journey and what he thought. And this, this conversation takes a fun turn. And we talk about something that I really didn't think we'd talk a lot about. And we both had interest in it and we both had opinions about it. And it turned out to be a fun, fun conversation. And I hope you like it. And I'm going to cut it right there because I'm not feeling too well. And I got a sickness going throughout the house and I think it's my turn to share share these germs. Lucky for you, you're just listening on this device. For me, I'm going to go take some NyQuil and go to sleep. But before that, I hope you enjoy my talk with the one and only Kevin Kelly. And the heat in the building. It was in Wheeling, West Virginia. 97 degrees. And I Ow. saw poor Yoko sitting in the stairwell. It was the only place that was remotely cool. And he was like just miserable, sweating. I want horrible. you to understand that we're sitting with someone who you said that was your first Raw you ever called? First Raw. First Monday Night Raw he ever called. He can't remember it. I remember some of it. Not a lot. The, does that sound okay to you? Yeah. So, I'm here with Kevin Kelly. Finally got him to do a podcast after he's been denying me for a year. Right. But it was a hefty fine or hefty payday for him. <laughs> I got him to do it. He out of off his busy. He's off the road in his busy schedule. I know. With New Japan. It's exhausting. I feel like. Do do the twenty? How how long is the plane rides? Um, in total, it's fourteen hours on a plane. 
Mm-hmm. I leave my little airport. I fly for an hour or so. And then it's like 12 or so plus to Japan. So I ask, this to, I ask Chase Owens this every time I see him. Does it get easier? Yes. Any? The reason I know it gets easier is because we just did a flight from uh, Atlanta to San Jose. Okay. And it was four hours and ten minutes. Mm-hmm. And I sat down on the plane, and I started playing my video game. And they said, we're coming in for final approach. And I was like, oh, already? Nice. So it does. I find ways to <laughs> – people hate me on the plane. I always get the aisle seat, mm-hmm. and I must get up like 15 times. I, I don't bother anybody, Yeah, but I'll get up and I'll go to the bathroom, mm-hmm. or I'll stretch my legs and walk all the way to the back galley. Yeah, and then come back. And come back, get a coffee, come back. I don't sleep. That's the other thing. If I could sleep on a plane, I'd be great. Uh-huh. But I, unless I'm completely like exhausted, which is very, very rare, mm-hmm. I cannot sleep on a plane. My favorite story ever about sleeping on a plane. I can't sleep either on a plane. Um, we were coming back from Los Angeles after, uh, I think it was a Battle of Los Angeles, P2G mm-hmm. Battle of Los Angeles weekend. And I had stayed up for two days straight. And we had a red eye. Uh, I think we left at like five in the morning to come home. And I was like, this is going to be the longest flight of my entire life. Oh. And uh, I was like, I-, I-, I might hallucinate at some point on this flight. <laughs> And we like Warn we, the flight attendants. And we take off and we level out. As soon as we level out, I'm like, Jesus Christ. And I put my head back and I open my eyes and we're landing. Oh and, dude, I got I got on the phone with my wife at the time and I was like, Listen, the greatest thing that has ever happened to me just happened to me. And it's sleeping on a plane. Yeah. I was so ecstatic. But then I had to go from Nashville to Charlotte. When I was in WWE, um, we we moved within the community that I lived in. Mm-hmm. So we were renting one townhouse and we bought another one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was it was just like two days with a truck. I didn't realize how much stuff we had. It yeah. was terrible. And I was like, I'm out of time. I gotta leave. I gotta go to the airport and pack whatever, find my stuff. Yeah. Boom, go to the airport, exhausted. And got upgraded. Sitting in first class, I'm gonna close my eyes, and I'm on. Since I'm on the plane first, I didn't see that like ten of my coworkers were on the flight with me. Uh, they all passed me. Yeah, and I'm sleeping, and then I wake up and I'm smelling chocolate chip cookies. They were baking chocolate chip cookies in first class. I was like, yes. "Where am I? Oh, this is <laughs> awesome!" Like I, that's one of the most vivid memories I have of of traveling. Of travel. The uh, is is the WWE. Yeah, you can take them off. I can take these heads. Is is the I'll take mine off. You listen. I'll listen. Somebody's got to produce this show. Fair enough. Is the WWE travel as bad as people make it out to be? It's much worse now than when I was there. Uh-huh. Um, when I was there from '96 to 2003, mm-hmm. I didn't do one international show. We only did a handful of them. We didn't need to travel internationally because we were drawing domestically. Yes. So there was no reason. We went yeah. to Canada. Mm-hmm. That would be about it. But it was every week. Mm-hmm. So my week was um, on a non-pay-per-view week. Mm-hmm. I would leave either Sunday or Monday morning, depending on the flight, to get to Raw. Mm-hmm. Then travel to the town for SmackDown. Then Wednesday morning, fly back to Stanford, um, go to the office, work mm-hmm. in the office for several hours. Then uh, late in the afternoon, early in the evening, go over to the TV studio 
do voiceovers until about 10 o'clock, then go home, then get up and come back to the TV studio, 8 o'clock, for 8 o'clock Thursday morning, voiceovers for superstars, work in the office all day Thursday, do bite this in the afternoon, mm-hmm. uh, then, yes. then come home, uh, go to work Friday, mm-hmm. and then sometimes... For a while, when we had the Memphis Developmental Territory, I was helping produce their TV show. So I would fly <clears throat> to Memphis, do their TV, and then sometimes do like a spot show or whatever they had on Saturday mm-hmm. and come home on Sunday, be home for about 12 hours or less, fly out again. Fly out to... And that was my every week for a, a year. I think the first weekend that we met or worked together, because we've been through the story about how we met at mm-hmm. Center Stage and Ring of Honor, for very briefly, uh, I, I've I've learned how you got your job in WWE, mm-hmm. or the of you getting kind of picked and sending. Do you have you shared that? I've I've told like, I've told before? the story a few times, but it's been a while. Um, so when I broke in in 1991, mm-hmm. Billy Gunn worked in the same company that I did. Yeah, and he and I became friends and stayed friends when he and Bart became the Smoking Guns. They were the, it was the same gimmick, but a different name. Mm-hmm. They were, for you trivia buffs at home, before he was Billy Gunn, he was Kip Winchester. Kip Winchester and Brett Colt. If the Colt don't get you, the Winchester will. That was the, uh-huh. the long riders. Love they were it. great. But the same jeans, the mm-hmm. same uh, Western-style yeah. wrestling boots. Mm-hmm. And um, they... Blackjack Mulligan was put with them to sort of help get them over. Anyway, mm-hmm. so we stayed friends, and we would touch base every once in a while. I'd go over to his house, you know, watch a, hey, a pay-per-view or something like yeah. that. And they were coming down in the, uh, this is early of 96. Uh, hey, I see that they're doing a run of house shows later on this year. Mm-hmm. See if they're hiring, if they're going to bring think or somebody down or if they're going to hire a local ring announcer okay i'll check so i got <clears throat> at the same time i got an audition with wcw mm-hmm. and it was warming up the crowd at mgm i was the yay boo guy telling the tourists when to cheer or when to boo now how did that come about that just- came about because of a guy that was involved in the iwf the first promotion that mm-hmm. i was in he left the iwf and was helping with the um Production at MGM. Gotcha. Okay. So he got me that audition. And then during the audition at MGM, Mm -hmm. I had my pager. That's how long ago this was. Nice. And, oh, it's Kip. Let me call him. Yeah. So I go to the payphone in between tapes. Mm -hmm. And, hey, what's up? You need to call Bruce Pritchard right now. I'm thinking, bring an answer. He says, they want to bring you up for an audition. You need to call him right now. Oh, shit, okay. So, so, I, so stop there. What goes through your mind in all of this? I, I didn't even, it didn't even process. It's just like, me. okay, I need to call him. Like, I just need to call him. Okay. I didn't think it was a rib. Mm-hmm. Um, he was pretty definitive about yeah. it. And he's not a guy, he'd never, we don't rib each rib, other, like, you know. Yeah. Um, but I was like excited i didn't know what to think so called the 800 number got right through to bruce mm-hmm. hey is this bruce yeah um you had sent in a tape like a couple of years ago and since then when i lived in florida mm-hmm. i had moved and i didn't update 
the phone number that was on there. Yeah. Vince wants to step away from the mic. We're auditioning announcers, and we'd like to bring you up for a tryout. Awesome. Ugh. He said, what are you doing? I said, right now? Yeah, right now. Um, I'm in between shows at WCW. I'm here at MGM. You haven't signed a contract, have you? They haven't offered one. Yeah. Is Hogan there? No. How are the shows? Kind of the shits. Yeah. So <laughs> that was pretty much it. Um, all right, I'll be in touch. You think that he does that just to mess with people? When he says, what are you doing right now? Um, I just, I kind of thought he was making conversation. Oh, okay. Um, I didn't think it was like part of the audition, you know what yeah. I mean? Or he was testing me in some way. Um, it hadn't got to that point. It hadn't got to that point. He yeah. was just making conversation. Okay. So, uh, we've, he had given me some pointers mm-hmm. about, we had talked a few times before I came up and he kind of explained to me how it was going to go, but it was much different than what I thought. Yeah. Um, I go to, I walk into the TV studio, um, and there was a beautiful girl who was in a dress mm-hmm. and another guy who was in a suit, mm-hmm. looked like a male model. They were waiting for a car service to take them. They had finished their audition. Gotcha. So this was really a casting call. The classic casting call. Yep. Yeah. So I go upstairs, get made up, and Kevin Dunn comes in and introduces himself to me. And we go downstairs to the studio. What is can I ask you? Sorry, I don't mean to keep yeah. interrupting. I just got little pieces of the story that I wanted to ask whenever you're telling it, but you were at a seminar, and I was like, I can't mm-hmm. just interrupt. Like your first impression of Kevin Dunn? Um, I was like really guy. surprised at his look. Okay, it was off-putting. Mm-hmm. It really was. Okay, uh, it's just like he was a weird-looking cat, and yeah. um, but the. Makeup person Jill Clark was and still is a sweetheart. Was gotcha. one of my best friends working there. We're friends on Facebook. She's mm-hmm. amazing. She made me just feel so at ease, so relaxed. It's always good. Went downstairs, didn't know what to do in this audition. And just basic QA, who are you, where you're from type of stuff. Um, and I don't remember any specific questions that he asked me other than at sign. He was holding a baseball bat, Kevin Dunn was. And he's leading behind the camera. He's kind of leading me. I'm sitting on a stool and I'm lit and everything. And mm-hmm. he's just got this baseball bat. He's just swinging it back and forth, you know, kind of. But the camera can't see him. Yeah. And he says, uh, well, here. And he leans in and he hands me this baseball bat. He says, sell me this baseball bat. And I look and it's Robin Ventura. Mm. So I start telling the story of Robin Ventura about how he played college baseball at Mississippi State. And he had this 51-game hitting streak, and he was amazing. And you use this bat, you can be as good as Robin Ventura. Okay, great. Then JR comes in, and he's kind of standing in the back of the room. Um, This is pre-Cowboy Hat JR. Mm -hmm. And, uh, okay, so this is Jim Ross. Hi, nice to meet you. Um, He is wrestling Shawn Michaels at Madison Square Garden for the WWF Championship. Go ahead and interview him. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm here with Jim Ross getting ready to take on Shawn Michaels, the heartbreak kid at... Madison Square Garden for the WWF Championship. JR, your thoughts? And he cuts his little promo. Mm-hmm. And he was. How good was JR's promo? It was kind of weak. I don't know. It, yeah. But it was so weird. Like he was being a heel. I didn't. Uh, I was like, what was are it we doing? Very John Wayne ish? Yeah, kind of. Okay. Uh, had a little swagger. I think, yeah. he could, I think he could have held his own with Sean. Okay. I think it would have been a good match. It would have drawn. Oh, yeah, and definitely. Then um, as a one off, it would have been good. Um, and then he says, uh, they were, okay, great. Let's go in the studio and call some matches. 
all right. So we sit down and we start calling old batches from Raw. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one we did was a Yokozuna squash match. Mm-hmm. And I was the lead and JR was the heel uh, color guy. Then I think JR, then the second one was a match involving Barry Horowitz. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if we did a third one, but then that was it. Do you feel like JR was working with you or like working around you to try to throw you off well, in the matches? Okay. So I've, I've met JR a few times. Yeah. And. No, I don't think he was sandbagging me or trying to make me look bad. Okay, okay. I didn't know if if he was going to give you a fair shake. Was he trying to put me over? I don't know. When I did, I did Steve Carino's WWF audition. Mm -hmm. My goal was to get Steve a job. Yeah. So I made him the star. Mm -hmm. I put him over like a million bucks. I made him look great. I think JR was just doing it because Kevin asked him to come over. And he could have been doing that all day with mm-hmm. all of these other people. My interview was later in the day. See, I was I, if I if I was in that situation, I'd be wondering like, so I wonder how far the girl got. Well, so at the at the end of like the second or third match, they go, mm-hmm. "Okay, thank you very much," and that was it. And oh, I opened the door because professional the, wrestling. Man. The the VO booth is very small, so I'm the first one. So I open the door and I go out and. Uh, Lisa Wolf, who was the uh, HR director at mm-hmm. the time, I had met her um, when I first got there. Yeah. And she hands me a Monday Night Raw t-shirt and says, thank you very much. And I was like, parting gift. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. So I go out, I wait, and a couple of minutes later, the car comes and gets me, and I'm in the car, and I'm like, oh, God, I screwed up, I screwed up, I screwed up. Oh. And we get on to 95, and we're going back to <clears throat> Newark Airport. And the phone rings in the car. Mm-hmm. And the driver, yeah, I'm in the car with him now. What? Okay. Click. And he starts to go to the right. They want you back. what I do? Yeah. <laughs> um, so he gets off and loops back on. We go right back to the studio. Mm-hmm. Now, I had met Kevin Dunn, and I met Lisa Wolf. But when I walked in, there's Bruce and Lisa Wolf. Okay. Hey, Bruce. Nice to finally meet you. Yeah. Hi, Lisa again. Um, you're the one that we want to meet Vince. Kevin Dunn's not anywhere to be found. Yeah. Oh, great. Awesome. Um, so Vince is over at Titan Towers, and you're here at the TV studio, so we need to get somebody to take you over there. So a production assistant, we jumped in their car, mm-hmm. and they took me over. Now, did you ride with all three of them? Like, all three of you no. guys? Or just you and the production just assistant? Just me and the production assistant, who I had no idea who it was. Yeah. we. It's a two-minute drive. Once again, professional wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> two-minute drive. It's the largest company in the world. Yeah. Two-minute drive to Titan Towers. Uh, there's the lobby. So I <clears throat> get out of the car. I go into mm-hmm. the lobby. I tell the uh, front desk person, okay, go up to the fourth floor. I go up to the f- fourth floor. Somebody's waiting what's there for go- me. What's going through your head right now? I'm... I have no idea. I'm is it anxiety. It starts to hit me when they lead me down this hallway and open up this door, and I'm in this very small conference room. Mm-hmm. And By they yourself, go, Vince will be with you in a second, Jesus and the door Christ. closes. And now, oh my god, 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 I'm going to meet Vince. What am I going to say to him? And I'm scrambling. Yeah, I got to find something to say. Raw magazine. 
It was the issue that had just come out with uh, the interview with uh, the whole story about Razor and Diesel leaving. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, loyalty. Okay. Close that. And then Vince comes in. How you doing, pal? Shake hands. What was your first impression of Vince? Uh, he was awesome. He looked great. Had a suit on. Yeah. Just the same guy I'd seen on TV. Okay. I was going to say, I feel like I've never met him, but I feel like he's almost absurdly well put together. Yeah. Like like no hair is out of place. None. In just great shape. Yeah. Like you see a guy in a suit that looks like that and you go, man, this guy just looks like money. Yeah. And then I just throw up on his shoes verbally. I yeah. don't even know what I'm saying. <laughs> I have no idea. I must have said loyalty 50 times. Yeah. One thing I can tell you, Vince, I'll be loyal. I, I, I have no idea. Obviously made a good impression. Somehow I got the job. Now, so, did, did he tell you that he wanted you to? No, he okay. didn't tell me anything. He was just him talking to just you. How long did a, the conversation last? Five minutes felt like an hour. Yeah. Um, and he was very nice. Mm-hmm. We left. And the next thing I remember, now I had an hour and a half drive to Newark Airport. Newark, mm-hmm. The next thing I remember, I'm at the airport and I'm on the payphone with my wife and I'm like, I think I got the job. And she did not want me to get the job. She didn't uh. want anything to do with it. She wanted to be out of wrestling. Let's back up. Six months before I got the first audition with WCW, Mm -hmm. my wife and I are at dinner and I'm like, I think I'm done with wrestling. I had done a show. When I broke in, uh, Dave Sierra, the Cuban assassin, Mm -hmm. who was a mentor of mine, was a great guy. There were a lot of shows that were starting to be run in bars in Florida. And he's like, if you want to work in a bar, go be a bartender. But if you want to be in the wrestling business, you don't do shows in bars. So I remembered that. There was a local radio show that was very popular all over the state of Florida. And they hired me and a few of my friends to help them put on a wrestling show mm-hmm. because they were big wrestling fans. In fact, it's Ron Bennington who's been on Sirius. He's a stand-up comedian. He travels all over the country. He and Fez, Ron and Fez were on Sirius and XM before that on the OP, OP yeah. channel yeah. for years. <clears throat> Great guys. They mm-hmm. wanted to put on a wrestling show. We were going to run it in a bar. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting there, and the, it, my friends were the underneath matches, yeah. and I'm the ring announcer. Yeah. And my wife was pregnant at the time with our first son, and then after like the third match, they had the parody song guy who was doing body shots off oh, the girl. Of course. of course. And I just, I looked out, and I'm looking at the crowd, and I see my wife. And I thought about Cuban. And I thought about all these different lessons I had learned. I'm like, I'm doing a wrestling show on a bar. Ugh. And I realized I wasn't, <clears throat> I was never going to work for WCW, yeah. which was what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. N- WWF, forget it. They never yeah. called me. I sent yeah. a tape in. And we're at dinner, and I'm like, I think I'm going to quit. And my wife was like, good. And then I got the WCW audition. Mm-hmm. Then I got the WWF call. And now I'm calling her from Newark Airport, telling her I got the job at WWF. I think I got it. So it was... I feel like in life, whenever you get the quote-unquote dream job, for mm -hmm. lack of a better term, you have to go through a progression. 
because there are there are two people that I won't name. Me and you know both of them are very close to both of them. That came from a certain three letter company. Mm -hmm. That I remember one being in New Orleans for WrestleMania, driving home from said company's show. And one of them being on the phone with his wife saying, I think I'm done with this wrestling thing. Mm. And now he is one of the top wrestlers in WWE. Wow. And second is another gentleman that had had his run with that company mm -hmm. and then left and was like, you know what? This isn't working out. And then had one little indie run and then got signed. After uh, two, that was Cedric. I'll say his name. I don't want to say the first person's name. Right. <clears throat> and him saying, I think I'm done with wrestling. And then him taking advantage of an opportunity and now is. And, and like you, you, like you say that. And I was, I'm, I'm nowhere near either one of their talent levels or success levels. Um, like I was, I was right on the verge of being like, you know what, this isn't for me anymore. Yeah. When the New Japan opportunity started. Right. And it's just like, I, that's what you have to do. You have to put in at least, like, I don't know that it's a 15-year number because some people do it faster than that. I feel like 15 years is when you put you put in your time to know enough people, mm. know, like know enough people, create a name or some kind of aura about yourself and start getting granted opportunities. But we know guys, and, and I think this is true in any performance if it's stand-up comedy mm. music wrestling doesn't matter there are some people who are always in and out yes oh i quit yeah. i didn't get this job i'm done yeah and then they're back yes and but then there are other people who are like they're in it they're in it they're in it and then they come upon that moment of realization and then you know ooh, they're serious mm -hmm. and True. i think i think that's where my wife was because she knew how passionate i was about wrestling and <clears throat> for me to say, uh, I think I'm done. Yeah. That Cuban thing was really, it, it still bothers me to this day. Mm -hmm. Like, I never talked to him about it afterward, yeah. but I always felt like I owed him an apology. Yeah. Because he meant so much to me and he was really sincere about it. Um, and so then I wind up getting the job. Mm -hmm. um, and they paid me my first contract <clears throat> one year. $75,000. Now let's put that number in perspective. I'm making $750 a week working for a uh, copy a copy company, mm -hmm. making copies mm -hmm. for law firms gotcha. in Orlando. And I had a part-time job at night mm -hmm. where I made an extra 200 bucks a week. Yeah. I'm now going to make $75,000 a year. Holy shit, I am rich. Doing wrestling. This is amazing. Yeah. You have to move to Connecticut. No problem. Yes. <laughs> I moved to Connecticut. I don't know anything about Connecticut. I get the Connecticut Sun newspaper. Third day there. Median household income now crosses $100,000 barrier. Yes. I'm like, I'm not even in the middle. I'm, yeah. I'm poor again. Oh. Yes. I was screwed. I couldn't afford to live, on Connecticut, live in Connecticut on that money. Not ever. Yes. Uh and the most I ever made there was, <clears throat> I made 98, mm, I think like my third or fourth year in and kind of mm -hmm. stayed at that level. Yeah. All the rest of the time. I never had any money when I was there. God. I had pot to piss in winter to throw it out of. Um, it was uh, the best of times, the worst of times. Yeah. Great. It's not, 
dream not job. not what everybody thinks it is. No, not at all. The now out of out of all the places that you've worked, which which would you say was the best uh, experience? Well, creative freedom in Ring of Honor. Mm-hmm. I was really integrally and integrally involved in the creation of television after Jim Cornette left. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, are you okay with talking about Ring of Honor? Of course. Ring of Honor? Where I'm, where I've, I'm the happiest I've ever been is now. Yeah. Working with New Japan, getting to come to PWX, mm-hmm. just getting to do that. That's everything I could ask for. Yeah. It's the first time in 20 years that I didn't have to have another job. Because when I was in WWE, I always had another job in WWE. Oh, I was okay. never gotcha. just an announcer. Gotcha. I was an announcer my first year in 1996. Mm-hmm. Then starting in 97, I worked on the magazines mm-hmm. and announced. Then 98, 99, then moved up to talent relations and announced. Now, did they... But they did they they never is that how you upped your pay to ninety eight? Yeah. Okay. Because I got after my first year, Kevin Dunn. Oh, by the way, uh, the payoff to the story earlier where Lisa Wolf and Kevin Dunn, mm-hmm. you are our choice. I was not Kevin Dunn's choice. Ah. Uh, he got outvoted two to one. Gotcha. The only problem was I reported to Kevin Dunn, oh. and he never liked me, ever. Do you think he? Do you think he didn't like you because he felt threatened by you? No, no. Oh, I just he just. You think he's got enough power? He he. His mindset is he has enough power to choose who he likes and who he doesn't like. Yeah, treat, he treat wanted him accordingly. It, if you look at it from his perspective, he's mm-hmm. the executive producer. Yeah, I should be able to choose the announcer. Yeah, not some HR lady and Bruce Pritchard. For God's yeah. sakes, I'm the boss here. I should be able to choose who I want. Did you ever try to have a conversation with him? About, not about like, that. Oh, okay, I always tried to. Break the ice and yeah, like get Kevin, through. What, Kevin, what, what would you like me to do? Yeah, and never really got too far. Hey, uh, am I doing okay? Yeah. You're on TV, aren't you? Oh. Yeah? I feel like I don't want to judge it by this, but, and I've never I've never been in a I, – I mean, I'll, I will say this, is that I feel like the New Japan atmosphere, mm-hmm. even though I haven't been to a Japan atmosphere – but the United States atmosphere is the most calm and welcoming. Yeah, that's a, a those two words are the best way to describe it. And I've never felt the quote unquote eggshell feeling until I went to NXT. Mm. And I don't even I don't know I don't know if it's a mindset thing or if you just walk in and you even even though I knew half the roster right that was there, but I felt like. If you are, if I'm standing in the wrong place and somebody sees me and they yell at me, they'll remember that forever. <sighs> Did never, you put, never happened? Never, never saw it happen. Now it was just, I've given I've given guys tons of advice over the years mm-hmm. about, <clears throat> hey, I got booked as an extra. What do I do? Mm-hmm. Did you do you think you put that hang up on yourself, or do you think it was the atmosphere that was conducive of it? Like, had you heard the horror stories, the I don't know what to do's, the what are you doing over there? Who are you? Blah, 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 blah. And yeah, you projected think, that on that scenario? I feel like... Because I think we're in control of, of that. Yes. I, I feel like... Because, I, I will say yes to that because once I remembered someone telling me, like, just 
respectfully just walk around like you or like you're supposed to be there mm-hmm. or walk around like you own the place. I just stood up, buttoned my jacket, and just walked around like I like I, I was supposed to be there. Like right. I, I could do whatever. I mean, the fun the the funniest story from that whole thing is they were they had asked me. Like my whole thing, my my thing about going to unique and venues that are built on energy is I want to feel that energy at some point to try to a either recreate it somewhere or b see how it was created mm. so you can try to learn from how it was created. Right. And the one thing that I wanted to do was I wanted to go into the sound stage when it was full of people and it was a good match going on and just feel the energy and take it in. Mm-hmm. Like the one the one of the other places that I felt that. Uh, so unique was Reseda. It mm. was PWG. Like I got to go to Bola three nights, and I was like, "What's crazy is when I started my wrestling company. Before I started, I joined PWX. I was trying to recreate that. Like my my whole concept was take the production value of a Ring of Honor, and combine that with a stylistic form of wrestling that is PWG. Right. That's unpredictable <clears throat> and just awesome match after awesome match after awesome match. And I went to Reseda, and after three nights there, I was like, "That you can't recreate that." Yeah, it's it's just it's the perfect place in the perfect setting with the perfect fans, right? With with the perfect concept for just bringing in all the indie darlings, and it is what it is. But uh, but yeah, I, I they were like, you can watch it in the auditorium with where the other extras watch it, and I was like, okay. So I sit in there for like an hour and a half. And then finally, I'm like, the hell with this, man. Mm-hmm. So I'd stand up, walk walk out. And I, I found out very quickly that if you have a suit on with a tie, you can walk pretty much wherever you want to in, full, right. in full sale. So I just walked through the front door. He and I'm must like, be someone. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm just going to step in here for one second. The security guy's like, okay. And I just walk in there and stand there for like 45 minutes watching the show, taking it in. One of the biggest things in New Japan is um, they give you a pass mm-hmm. when you go in and you put it like on your suit yeah. or your leg or whatever. And they were giving us passes. Mm-hmm. And I would always just put it in my inside coat pocket. Yeah. Never visible. Yeah. And I never once had a problem getting anywhere mm-hmm. because I'm in a suit. Yeah. And I, I, I walk up when we... <clears throat> leave the New Japan World Room. Mm-hmm. It's time to go announce. I tell the security guard, open the thing, and he opens it. Yeah. And I walk right down, and I sit in my chair, and we start the show. <laughs> yeah. You just look like you belong. Yeah. Hey, I'm supposed to be here, pal. That's Now, with with Ring of Honor, how, how did that come about? Um, when Jim Cornette left TNA, mm-hmm. 2009, <clears throat> I emailed him. Because I saw he was with, uh, he was then with ROH. Mm-hmm. Hey, now that you're out of witness protection, if I can ever help you, let me know. Mm-hmm. So he messaged me right back and he said, yes. Oh my gosh, the announcer they have is terrible. Um, call me and we'll talk about it. Yeah. So they were on HDNet at the time and Mike Hogwood was their play-by-play guy. Dave yeah. Prezak was doing color. And Jim was like, this guy stinks. He's terrible. Come on, Mike or Dave? Mike. Okay. And uh, oh my, I remember Mike Hogwood from ACC football, football in our area. Yes, he did pass away. He did passed away a few years ago. And uh, <clears throat> hey, they're getting ready to come back to Philly. I lived up in Northeast Pennsylvania at the time. Mm-hmm. Come down and see me. Okay, great. So I go down and see Jim, BCW Arena, and catching up. It's mm-hmm. been great. 
Um, and we talked a few times before then. And he introduces me to Carrie and to everybody. And I want you to meet the HDNet people. And I met Adam Swift, who's mm-hmm. a yeah. friend of mine now. Yeah. Still great. Uh, and all the crew and Dave Lagana for the first time, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the former executive producer whose name escapes me from HDNet. Mm. He passed away a few years ago. Um, Jim's like, that Hogwood guy's terrible. He's the worst play-by-play guy in wrestling. This is Kevin. I worked with him in WWE. We need to hire him. This is who needs to be doing the play-by-play. Blah, 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 blah. And Daryl Ewald, that was his name. Okay. And he's like, okay, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, you just see Cornette just busting up in yeah. there. And typical Cornette. Jim was like, Oh, that went well. I said, Yeah, it did. Went great. <laughs> and come to find out, Mike Hogwood was his best friend. Oh, Daryl. Oh, Daryl. God. They were neighbors. <laughs> he wasn't going to replace Mike yeah. no matter what. Yeah. So that immediately went nowhere. Yeah. And he's like, Well, that went nowhere. We found out by the next, <laughs> by the time the next month came around, the next yeah. tapings. But come back anyway, because I want you to meet. I want you to talk with Kerry. Yeah. Okay. And and he had told Kerry, "Hey, listen, we should do something with Kevin." Kerry's like, "I don't have any money." Yeah. But I can, it, it, you know, for whatever it was, a couple hundred bucks, mm-hmm. do the DVDs. Yeah. Sure. Be awesome. Yeah. So such a good. Day. I was working. Oh, I love Kerry. I was uh, working a sales job. Mm-hmm. So I'd take a day off. So how this is how many years removed from WWE? Six. Okay. And after I left WWE, I was out of work for o- over a year. And I was trying, and I, all I had was re- wrestling on my resume. Mm-hmm. Wrestling and making copies yeah. and college radio. Yeah. And Little Caesars. Uh, boy, this is a great resume. Yeah. And nobody was hiring. So then I, I was like, wrestling is sales. Let me mm-hmm. tweak my resume. And I started to really emphasize the sales portions of wrestling. Widened out the job search a little bit on Monster and got five mm. interviews in a week. Nice. So I think I'm going into sales. Um, and was doing sales for, by that point now, so that's 04 to 09, so five years. Uh, 2010 by this point, let's say. Mm-hmm. And I start working for Carrie. Mm-hmm. And I go over once a month or so and knock out a few shows. Yeah. And that, everything's great. Love working for Carrie. And then Jim says, hey, we're going to start doing this iPay-Per-View thing. Yeah. The Big Bang in Charlotte. I was at the Big Bang in Charlotte. And, and you're going to announce it. All right. This is awesome. So me and Dave Prezak. Um, and Are you ever she, friends with Dave? Um, I, I had never met him before. It's but a I, weird kid. Yeah. <laughs> acquired taste. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he's very good at what he does. Yes. And just, again... Mm-hmm. That was that was it. He was yeah. uh, wound a little differently than me. Yes, but um, and to be fair, I didn't know very much. I I wasn't very good then. Yeah, um, you hadn't found your. I yeah. Voice your I was way. still like I didn't know what to be. I didn't know who I was. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so I did that first pay per view, and I remember calling my wife on the ride home, and I was like, "Okay, I can retire now. I've done it." I know I can do this. Yeah. We had a great show. And then a few months later, we're talking, and I'm still just going over and doing the VODs every once in a while. Mm-hmm. And Jim calls me, and he says, uh, keep this under your hat, but we might have a TV deal. 
really? I'm working on some things. I'll let you know when the time is right. A few months go by. Mm-hmm. Hey, remember that TV deal I told you about? Yep, it's going to happen. Really? So then he clues me in. Mm-hmm. Company's being sold to Sinclair Broadcasting. Oh, my God. Who's Sinclair? I've never heard yeah. of them. Yeah. They own all these TV stations. <gasps> yes, broadcast TV. Oh, my God. Nobody's on broadcast anymore. Yes. So <clears throat> real hush-hush, don't mm-hmm. tell anybody, uh, Go for mm-hmm. the um, meeting, for the introduction. Gotcha. And the only people in on the deal were me, Jim, Joe and Greg, Gary Juster, mm-hmm. and Carrie. Mm-hmm. That was all we knew. Yeah. Carrie may have told Sid and Ross in the office, but. Mm-hmm. What was your impression of Sid? I liked Sid. I did too. Sid I got a bad. Sid. Sid got a bad rap from a lot of people. Yeah, but I liked him a lot. He was always so good to me. No nonsense. Him no and Ross. Do you remember Ross? I liked Ross. Yeah, Ross was a good dude. Ross and Cornette got sideways. Did you over- ever meet them? Sid and Ross. Sid was the guy that always had like the gold button-down dress shirt. Yeah, slacks. And Ross was the merch guy that wore the like FUBU shirts. Sid was a super Philly guy. Yes. Who owned rental properties in some of the rougher parts of town mm-hmm. and had no problems collecting rent. Yeah. Let's just say that. Yeah. Um, he, you knew where you stood with yes. Sid. Yeah. But I always got along great with them. Yeah. And Cornette got sideways with Ross, and then eventually Ross was yeah. outed that's for... When, that's when I... Because Ross is the one that booked... Jake Manning got was when he was filming for mm. them. He got me the gig on their East Coast stuff. Okay, and and Ross is the one that booked us. And then when he kind of what's funny is I was at the Philly show, the homecoming, mm-hmm. where the Chikara guys came in. Yeah, and and they were like, we want everybody for a meeting, and we all went back there. And we're just standing there, and that's when Carrie announced they were selling to Sinclair. Wow. And I was like, I need to get out of here because I'm definitely not on the pay scale that I need to be in this meeting. Yeah. Um, so we're in the meeting in Chicago mm-hmm. where they tell all the boys, and everybody's introduced to Joe for the first time. And everybody was really super excited. Yeah. Um, and it was a regular live event that night. Mm-hmm. recorded for um for DVD but there was just a real buzz and a real energy about it. Is it the field house? That was at the Frontier Field House yeah. and that was where we were going to do our first TV taping. Gotcha. So Cornette and I started to talk who and he was like, "Kevin, listen, I don't want to do the commentary. Mm-hmm. We, we need somebody for you to work with." All right, let me think about it. And I thought about it, and I thought about it. A few days go by and Adam Pierce's name popped into my head. Mhm. I was like, oh, my God, he would be so perfect, a former ROH champion. He would be ideal. Yeah. I call Courtney. I'm like, Jim, Adam Pierce. Oh, my God, that's it. It's Adam Pierce. That's mm-hmm. the guy. Well, he had had a falling out with Ross and Sid a few years ago, and yeah. when he quit as Booker, yeah. fired off a missive, and, well, <clears throat> Ross remembered that. Uh. So I don't feel comfortable working with Adam Pierce. Okay, who's it going to be? I don't know. I don't know. I had a buddy of mine, uh, Larry Brannon, who I went to high school with. I was like, he's doing commentary for other companies in Florida. I know him. Mm -hmm. What about him? He was like, "Uh, I don't know. And then 
out of the blue, Nigel McGuinness's contract came up with mm -hmm. TNA. He came available. How yeah. would you feel about working with Nigel? And I was like, I think he, I, I don't know him. Yeah. He's like, the only thing I think would be an issue would be his accent, but I think he'll be great. Okay. Mm -hmm. So go to Chicago, meet Nigel. I'll never forget the first TV taping, tons of energy. And the big question was, who will be Kevin's commentary partner? So yeah. all the fans had no idea. Yeah. And they snuck. I think I remember They this. snuck Nigel into the building. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, in, to introduce my new color commentary partner. He's a former Ring of Honor world champion. Mm -hmm. Nigel McGuinness. Babies flew. Yeah. And he did awesome. Right off the bat, yeah. he did great. I was like, oh my God, we're not stepping on each other. This is, we're really working well together. And we just got better and better and better over time. It's no yeah. surprise that he's having yeah. the success he is in NXT. He's fantastic. He's, uh, uh, so that was the original Sinclair TV. Yep. Right. Did Was there ever, because I looked at that TV, this is just my perspective. And I was like, they could, with the with the production value of professional wrestling, on which it makes sense if Cornette was involved, if mm -hmm. he had a big hand in it, that it looked old school, because I know that's his mindset on a lot of things. But I was, I feel like, I don't know if it was Sinclair that did like graphic work for it, but I feel like you could always be like a step above what it was. Here's the thing. I think people have a, <clears throat> of incomplete sense of what Sinclair is. Mm -hmm. Sinclair is a real estate company. Uh. They own television stations. They don't produce television. The production comes down to each television station. Gotcha. So they buy the equipment. Now Sinclair mm. will fund it, mm -hmm. but they have their internal staff, their producers, their directors yeah. doing... To make okay. their news program, so like they basically way. say we give you this time slot. You have to you have to make it. We'll we give, give you this much money to produce this news. Yeah, but they were in the business of acquiring television stations. That's it. Yeah. They're not a production company. Yeah, so okay. they had never produced anything before, so this was a new venture. This Apparently, was, they're not a wrestling company either. Well, that's another <laughs> story. It is. Um, Sorry, but the same people that were in charge. From the Sinclair end, yeah, are still in charge now in 2019, yeah. and that was eight years ago. So, um, have they learned from their mistakes? I don't know. They, if you look at it like in terms of a pro sports franchise, yeah, they had a lot of players leave via a free agency, a lot yeah. of all stars, yeah, and they there's. They didn't have a farm system to draw from uh, that was as plentiful as it was in prior years because another, the New York Yankees, mm -hmm. went and signed every available free agent yes. with no salary cap. Yeah, yeah. So now, I'll, I'll ask you a question. If okay. You, if I don't, I don't mean to put you on the spot. If you don't answer, you don't have to. But I feel like that a lot of that has to do with the miss uh mishandling of building new stars in your company outside of relying on I don't want to name names relying on the traditional stars that built the company and I say that in the in a sense of I feel like 
when when they were hot there last year before Cody and the Bucks left, mm-hmm. like Cody and the Bucks kind of built their own brand, and I think they helped New Japan a lot too. But New Japan has has a uncanny ability to build their their own stars, right? And you see that now with them showing up in America and selling out venues sure. left and right. Um, I, I think Ring of Honor, in my in my personal opinion, from a booking perspective, I think that they have held on. I love all of them. I love all the guys I've known mm-hmm. that that are still the top guys there, but they haven't. They're just now because they have to try to build these new stars, as in Taven and a few others. Taven comes to mind just because they put the title on him. The right. Rush. I, this is stuff they should have done six years ago in preparation for not necessarily preparation for the lethals or the briscoes or somebody like that leaving and going somewhere else. Because I think that was, that was, that was always my expectation of like how long, and I still don't know how, like how long is Jay and Mark going to be here because they, they have the ability to go elsewhere and, and be huge. And I don't know why they haven't. Maybe they don't want to. Maybe, yeah. Maybe maybe they're fine. And that's another thing is you, if you ever meet them, they're the most down-to-earth people on the yeah. face of the earth. They just like they might just want a chicken farm and wrestle for Ring of Honor. I think they're they're kind of happy doing what they're doing. And then the like Lethal has never been because I know just from hearsay of like he has a good deal and he's happy there. Yeah. And, but it's 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 a matter of I feel like they they've have people which hindsight's twenty twenty, but you look they have people like Adam Page, they have people like Cedric Alexander, mm-hmm. they had people like uh, uh, the Adam. Well, they they did really well with Adam Cole, so you can't really they helped make him a star, right? But uh, but yeah, that's what I I feel like that they've always and that's always been my kind of. Uh, what well, I don't understand about... Well, let's look. The last Top Prospect tournament that I was actively involved mm-hmm. in setting up, mm-hmm. I had two names that I wanted in the tournament. Mm-hmm. And one was John Schuyler. Mm-hmm. I I stand by that decision. Yeah. The rest of the tournament was kind of booked by others. Yeah. And I wasn't around to see that tournament take place. Yeah. Um, the... Years before that, it was mostly Hunter and me mm-hmm. booking the guys for the top prospect based upon the people that we had gotten through the camps. Yes. Okay. And the only name that we had booked that was not part of an ROH camp that had never done a seminar mm-hmm. was Ray Rowe. Mm. Okay. But Hunter knew him, had had seen him, had, okay, and could personally say, he's going to be good. Yeah. So, but we, while we were there, we put together War Machine mm-hmm. and made something out of them. Mm-hmm. We made the kingdom what they mm-hmm. were with Cole and Bennett and Taven yeah. and Maria. Mm-hmm. Maria was a huge driving force in that. She was a huge star. Yeah. Um, we made Red Dragon. And that's where Hunter gets a knock. We're like, oh, he's no, no creative, uh, hasn't come up with any good days. Yeah. Hanson and Rowe wrestled each other in the finals of the Top Prospect Tournament. Yes. Hunter put them together as a team. He saw them as a team. Mm-hmm. He put Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly together in Red Dragon. So he gave Roddy the ball. He gave everybody yeah. the ball. Over the course of a few years, Adam Cole, Roderick mm-hmm. Strong, and O'Reilly and Fish mm-hmm. 
the Undisputed Era. Yeah. All you came from Ring of Honor. Proving me wrong. All left. War Machine. Yeah. Now is the Viking heroes Vikings, or whatever yeah. they are. Viking something. Killing it. Yeah. Amazing. And the other people who were going to be the next in line, mm -hmm. which was uh, Donovan Dijak, Keith mm -hmm. Lee, mm -hmm. Shane Taylor, ACH, all left. Yeah. Cedric was in that mix, but I don't think was ever quite viewed at that yeah. top level. Yeah. That's a lot of talent to leave. True. And it would crush any company. Um, and I think it was just departure after departure yeah. after departure. And then the Bucks, Cody, Kenny, Paige, all left. Now, I know, well, I don't know because I don't know the funding that they give to NXT guys. I know the base salaries, but uh, do you, I mean, I assume Sinclair didn't have the funding that WWE would have to get guys. But Nobody do you think, does. But do you think some of those guys left because they thought they weren't getting the opportunities? Which that's a double-edged sword uh, because I, think, I feel like all wrestlers feel like they're not getting the opportunities. Unless I think the, the chance for more mm -hmm. was definitely going to come with WWE. Yeah. Nobody it's just the only, and the only reason I had that perspective is because if you look at Ring of Honor over the past four, say four or five years, it's always Jay Lethal is a champion, mm -hmm. or Jay, Jay Briscoe is a champion, or Jay Briscoe and Jay Lethal are, fine, are trying to get the champ or fighting for the championship. And it's always you have all these good mid card guys and these good tag team guys, but the top of the card has always been the same four or five guys. And I include like Eddie and Roddy into that. Yep. And Davey. And that's is like you never. And then when they finally tried to pull the trigger on Taven, it was, I don't know how good, well-timed it was. Or I think he tried, they, they were trying to get him over mm -hmm. in an era where they were mad at Ring of Honor because all their favorites left. Yes. So no matter who they pushed, no matter who they put in that spot, mm -hmm. they were not going yeah. to take. Um, Do you think Marty would have died? In that? Not die, I should say that. Would have failed in that spot? Uh... Who would Marty have wrestled? If, if Marty would have won at Madison Square Garden, which is kind of the big crux of a lot of people's questions, mm -hmm. how would things have been different over the last year? I don't think significantly because who would he have wrestled? The company was introducing yeah, I see that. seven, eight new talents all at once. They lumped a bunch of them into a faction called it Lifeblood. Yeah. And it's like... How, you got to get all these guys over at once. It it can't be done. Yeah, you're really looking at two or three at a time tops, mm -hmm. and that's like a hope. If can, if you try three and two get over, okay, good. Can I ask your perspective on the Ring of Honor matches at Madison Square Garden? Well, I felt like, and I called the whole show mm -hmm. except for the um, uh, except for one of them, the NWA deal. Where Aldis and I can't remember who called. No, it was a ladder match. I didn't do that one. Mm -hmm. um, I felt like it was a chance to make new stars, but at the same time, give people the satisfactory ending mm -hmm. that they needed a lot. Yeah, Kenny King heel wins the battle royal, screws mm -hmm. over Liger and 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 uh, Muda to get it. Yeah, um, Kelly Klein wins the women's title. 
but then gets jumped by the heel girls faction. Yeah. Heel, heel, heel. Taven wins. Uh. Mm-hmm. And New Japan gave them <clears throat> the happy ending with Okada winning. Yeah. They were going to be happy either way with Naito and Ibushi. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was just, it was just a different thing. Yeah. The whole Enzo and cast, I, the reason, yeah, Enzo and cast thing was a miss. Yeah. Um, but I don't necessarily because we were there at that show, me and John and Brian, and I, I, I felt like that. I don't know. I don't. I don't know because I hear people reference that show mm-hmm. all the time. Because they had a sold out MSG, you can make so such an impression on everybody. Yeah, and it in the the narrative that a lot of fans have and reporters is that New Japan knocked it out of the park and Ring of Honor just dropped the ball. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know. Do you think? Just your your opinion. Do you think that? Because what I what I like the most about that show is that New Japan opened with Osprey and Cobb. Right. Because that was like the hottest opener you could start with off both rosters matches. That was technically a win for Ring of Honor. Yes, because Cobb was a Ring of Honor guy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and that was an amazing match. It was incredible. Was now was was that considered the Ring, uh, ring of Honor? Well, no. The show did the show close out with Okada, or did they close out with the latter match? No, they the closed out with Okada and Jay White. Okay, so so technically. New Japan got the opening match in the finals or the main event. Yes. Okay. I did, I wanted your perspective on that because you were there. Well, and the you first it. the first match was uh was, was it, ROH versus New Japan, and then the was it for the IWGP. It was the for Phoenix? the never I, never title. The never title. Yeah. Okay. Osprey had beaten uh, Ibushi at uh, Wrestle Kingdom, mm-hmm. and then Cobb beat Osprey. At the Garden yes. to okay. win that title. And then the next was a three-way mm-hmm. for the junior heavyweight title, and that was ROH, New Japan, CMLL. Yes. That's Dragon Kid won. Yeah, Dragon okay. League. And then Dragon it went League, on with... Who's Dragon uh, Kid? Dragon Kid's from Dragon Gate USA. Is he? I think. Dragon Lee. It's Dragon Lee's is, kid. Yes. It's Dragon <laughs> Kid. Um, and... Then the tag titles. And that's where the show, for me, started to kind of go downhill from an ROH perspective. Mm-hmm. Because it just... I, I felt like in that Battle Royal, in the P-Show Battle Royal, mm-hmm. there were so many new ROH faces yeah. that people didn't know. Yeah. And they fans knew every... I mean, my God, we're rolling out Minoru Suzuki and Shingo Takagi in the Battle yeah. Royal, for God's sakes. Yeah. Not but, to mention Liger and Muda. And like the, the Muda entrance was yeah. amazing. If you look at the free agent acquisitions of, of New Japan Pro Wrestling over the last year versus the free agent acquisitions of ROH, mm-hmm. um, and for the Mark Haskins and the Brian Malonises, mm-hmm. who are good wrestlers, yeah, uh, Ring of Honor has brought those guys in and others. Um, New Japan has brought in uh, Shingo Takagi. Mm-hmm. And Kenta. Mm-hmm. Let's just compare those yeah, two. Yeah. So I think there's that's kind of the difference. Gotcha. <laughs> um, so if if you just look at it like is is the ROH product irreparably broken? No. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. wrestling. Yeah. Anything can be fixed. Yes. But it's loss of free agents, 
combined with an opportunity at MSG to really brand themselves and mm-hmm. put a happy ending on it to give people hope for the future. Yeah. That's what they wanted. ROH fans wanted hope. And instead yeah. they got boo. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't the time for boo. Um, so it, it, it's just a lot of, a lot of misses. Yeah. A lot of swings and misses. So does that mean you, you have somebody else buy the groceries? Do you have somebody else? I, I think it, I think it's time for a change. Yeah. I think they need to have somebody else at the helm to mm-hmm. take a swing. Um, and then they've got to clean up their house and I think they've got to get things in order Yeah, and uh, begin to communicate better and do things to change the, the perce- perception yeah. of the company. Uh, and, and they can, they, yeah. they have television, they have television on X number of broadcast stations. Plus they've got coverage on the Fox sports net channels. Yeah. So they've got broadcast and cable. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's, that's all a, you need. That's a good landscape across television to have. Now, kind of hopping because we're running out of time. From because one thing I want to talk to you about is when was your first Wrestle Kingdom? Uh, it so January of 2016. So, I what was it like to call Wrestle Kingdom? Who'd you call it with? <clears throat> Matt Stryker. Oh. And Yoshitatsu. Oh. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> um, I completely forgot that Matt yeah, man. Stryker called it. A footnote it. in history. Um, I had done King of Pro Wrestling mm-hmm. the October earlier, mm-hmm. and I was terrible. Oh, I was shits. I didn't know. I knew, I knew of New Japan, but mm-hmm. I didn't know it at the cellular level. Yeah. But I needed to know to be able to communicate it to new audience. Yes. That's what we were trying to draw. That was my next question. I need to be the conduit to them. Mm-hmm. So I need to say, here's this guy, and here's why he's important. And yeah. I need to know his history so well that I can boil it down into two or three sentences. Mm-hmm. This guy's important, and here's why. Um, so I started to get better at it by the time I got to Kingdom. And mm-hmm. the guys, big shout out to the guys on the Super Jake uh, podcast because they ripped me a new ass after Kick of Pro Wrestling. Yeah. Horrible, the worst. Oh my God, he was so bad. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And I thanked them for it because I understood. Made I, you aware. I didn't know what I didn't know until mm-hmm. I knew I didn't know it. Gotcha. Then started to turn things around. But I was blown away at 40,000 people, 30, whatever it was, 32,000. Yeah. 20, no, it was 26 paid that year. Um, and it's only grown since then. So it doesn't get easy. Mm-hmm. It only gets bigger. And now I got to do two shows this year, back-to-back nights. And how am I going to keep my voice? No. And then do yeah. New Year's Dash the next day? Good luck. The, this is putting you on the spot, too. But I have to ask. What – I might even know the answer. What – felt bigger in a sense of athletic competition and moving into the next year, WrestleMania or Wrestle Kingdom? My first WrestleMania was 13 in Chicago, and it felt like any other show. Really? Yeah. The last WrestleMania I was there for that I did was 18 Mm -hmm. with Hogan. Yeah, Hogan, yeah. So... That's how 
exponentially big that company got in that span of time between 13 and 18, five years. Where was, where was 13? Chicago. Chicago. The All-State oh, Arena. Okay. He just told me that. Rosemont Horizon. And I just remember walking down the ramp to her, the Rosemont mm -hmm. that I'd walked down two or three other times. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is WrestleMania? This feels like Raw. This feels like any other pay-per-view. Yeah. It doesn't feel special. Boy, it felt special. Yeah. When we had done the Astrodome the year before at mm -hmm. 17, mm -hmm. 70,000 people. God. Just mind-blowing. One of my greatest memories of uh, the Astrodome. So the Astrodome was so big that the production trucks were inside, and they were still able to get 70,000 fans in. That's how big this place is. That's insane. And I, I'll never forget two of the girls that worked on the production side, and I know one of them is still there, and I don't want to say their names, but mm -hmm. they had to leave the truck and come out and stand on the steps and look out all the people. And I'll never forget the two of them were arm in arm holding each other up because they were like, it just, I can't believe we're here. Oh my God, this is so big. Look at what we're doing. Yeah. And that like said it like, oh my God, this is real to these people. This is real to all of us. We're really doing this. Yeah. But there were so many of those little incremental steps along the way. Mm -hmm. um, they were sending out emails. Hey, we just had a record setting $125,000 house in Pittsburgh. Yay. Yeah. Then it was like a couple of years later, $400,000 house yeah. on a midweek non-televised house show in Memphis with Jerry Lawler and D'Lo Brown in the main event as a tag. <laughs> That's how That's big crazy. that company got. Yeah. Just blew up overnight, it seemed like. Um, so it was, but, but to see how New Japan has grown slow mm -hmm. and steady. Yeah. That because there might be 100 more people in the building each time. Yeah. But each time, each time, each time, each time. We sold out Osaka, the Adion Arena. It's 5,100 people. We've mm -hmm. sold that out like 20 times in a row now. Mm -hmm. It's so big, we're going to run the February New Beginning show at Osaka Joe Hall, which has only been for Dominion in June. Mm -hmm. So that's 11,000 fans. That's how big it's getting. Yeah. And... That's in the wake of departures, you know, from Kenny, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera, yeah. that all have an effect. But the company has been able to retool. If you look back, the 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 dojo system works mm -hmm. and ROH doesn't have that. Yeah. WWE has tried to create their own and has done a good job in the in the developmental mm -hmm. center, the in the PC. Um but they had to figure it out. And they've yeah. benefited by importing the best indie guys. Yes. So let's be fair. Yeah. Um, but in the class of 1984 in the dojo mm -hmm. in New Japan, Liger, mm -hmm. Budo, Chono, Hashimoto. Whew. In that one class. Just figure out the money that those four guys yeah. made. It's You can't put a price. I mean, you can't put a price on it. You go yeah. back and look at the history books. And what they mean to wrestling history. That's the type of legacy that New Japan has. Yeah. They have a 30-year head start mm -hmm. on Ring of Honor and anybody else. So if I obviously WWE is at the top of the heap. Yeah. And New Japan is a distant second. Mm -hmm. But then there's a big gap between two and everybody else. Yeah. I'm trying to think, John, you got any 
WWE questions you want to ask? Ahmed Johnson Battle Royal. <laughs> I don't remember Ahmed it. Johnson Battle Royal. I know it was the night after SummerSlam in in Wheeling, West Virginia. I don't remember it. The only thing I remember about that night was the intense heat. It was like 97 degrees, and the in Wheeling the- Civic Center is not air conditioned. Oh. Yoko was poor. Yoko was sweating to death in the steps, just trying to stay cool. And the main event was Shawn Michaels and Yokozuna. Oh. The night after he had wrestled Vader, Shawn had to wrestle Yoko, wrestling half a ton of half <laughs> half a ton of men over two nights, and they barely got the finish in. Really, it was super kick, one two three. Good night from Wheeling. It was that close. Yeah, and that was my first live raw. So fun. Do you have, uh, I know it's hard. Do you have a favorite moment in wrestling that you've had? Too many. Um, I'm very lucky to just think about us sitting here, right? If it wasn't for wrestling, none of us would be together in this room. That's, yeah. Now now you're speaking my language. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what I try to... Well, that's what, like, I've told... Uh, me and Brian talk about this sometimes, but I've told her on the podcast about, uh, I think I did on Ethan's, about how John was at WrestleCade and texted me and said, hey, you, what do you think about bringing Kevin in for commentary at X16? Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, if the money's right, I think it'd be a good idea. And if we can't, we just bring in all these people, we can't spend a ton of money. Right. And I said, just get him, get his number. Give Cheapo. Him Brian's number. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I said, give him Brian's number, and we'll try to work it out. And then Brian's like, yeah, Kevin was awesome. And then and then we do the first night of X-16, or we do X-16 with you and Bob. Not Bob. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, you and Bob. And uh, then you coming in and saying, hey, I want to work with you guys. Mm-hmm. And us being like, oh, okay. And now that, like, led to, like, a good opportunity with New Japan and mm-hmm. succeeding there, and it's just, like. Believe me, I wouldn't have recommended you guys yeah to, to well, i appreciate if, it if if i didn't believe in it and was like what no here, they're legit i can this is how we'll end it because i because i've always wondered this because i didn't ask you i wanted to ask you that night what about pwx like ignite this and help us build the product at the f- surface my first instinct was beating ring of honor mm-hmm. in that market yeah in charlotte just seeing what they had done in Cabarrus, and I'm like, we can outdo this. Mm-hmm. We haven't gotten there yet, yeah, but we can outdo this. Um, it, because when I was in when I was in WWE, we were allowed to do indie stuff. Mm-hmm. So I helped Jim Kettner with ECWA. Mm-hmm. And when I started working with Jim, I said, "What's your goal? What would your dream be?" Is that I'd love to run the Bob Carpenter Center at the University of Delaware. Mm-hmm. When do you want to run it? Uh, I don't know, like. November, like around Thanksgiving. Okay, it's January. We're running it in November. Now let's work backwards. Yeah. You know what your main event, what you want it to be? Yep. All right. Let's come up with a plan to get there. And we did. And we wound up drawing the $25,000 house with no names. Wow. It was, it was great. Mm-hmm. So um, that was my first instinct. Mm-hmm. But then the second was... I liked all the people and I yeah. liked everybody that was there and the way everybody pitches in and helps. Yeah. And the way everything was really professionally done. It was so I liked it. It, in a lot of respects, it was 
more uh, organized and better produced than Ring of Honor. Hmm. Uh, because we you do it on a much you know lower budget yeah. let's say yeah but everything was just made like there was such emphasis put on all the little small things yeah that that really shone through yeah um it it wasn't for the pay it wasn't for the the payday yeah. it yeah. was for the passion and the work um and then I started telling people in Japan about what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like when I signed my contract the year before last, and I was like, the only companies that I want to work for other than New Japan are RevPro and PWX. Yeah. And they were like, okay, so that's in my contract, you oh, know. Nice. And then when I got my 2020 contract, they mm-hmm. they just changed the dates. Uh, but everything else is still there. I'm like, eh, RevPro, PWX? Nice. Cool. So that was really it. <clears throat> you know, I mean – kind of a selfish like thing first let's beat ring of honor let's yeah. outdo what they did in this market yeah that i felt like they could have done more in and mm-hmm. let it go because like the charlotte market in this region of the country i just love yeah plus i grew up loving crockett wrestling yeah and i wanted to i want to recreate that as best i can mm-hmm. in this modern era so uh you know and the nwa is doing that with their tv show but yeah. we're doing live events that you know, our thought and our belief in doing them is let's bring back some of those fans. Let's bring back some of those memories. Let's yeah. try to recreate some of those types of moments with the stars of today and help these young guys to learn what they need to do to be successful on the next level. The yeah, hope is, that's my and I, goal. we tell all of them, I hope I never see you again. Yes. I hope you leave. You've signed a big contract somewhere mm-hmm. else. Adios. We've had a little part in it. Yeah, because that's what we would like to see. And and just so we don't end the podcast by putting ourselves over, as, as in PWX, how awesome is Andy at RevPro? Oh, <laughs> he's great. I love him. Um, I only get to see him once a year, and that's at WrestleCon. He, but. Um, he's great, and I've grown to be a great friend with Andy Simmons, Yes, who is kind of his partner, mm-hmm. uh, especially on the uh, Portsmouth School of Pro Wrestling, by the way, the best school of pro wrestling in England, uh, with Andy Boy Simmons as the trainer. I love those guys. Uh, I'm going back soon. I don't know when, but soon, and be doing like commentary on a York Hall show yeah. and some seminars and some stuff. But they're awesome. When we did Royal Quest, it was a hoot. We had such a great time. And Andy Boy Simmons is coming back to do more New Japan commentary nice. next year. Well, I will end it there, but I have a story to tell you about Andy. I might have told you about it from WrestleCon last year. Tell me. I will. Off the air? Yes. All right. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Patrick. Thank you for listening to the Tuesday Special Podcast. Find all of our old episodes at TuesdaySpecials.com. That's TuesdaySpecial.com. Yeah, whatever. I don't care. All right. Thank you. Yeah.